Oh, it's good to be with you, Mountain View. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Thank you for gathering with us again this morning. Um, I'm excited to continue and kind of finalize our Be Still series where we've just tried to look at some different topics and learning how to be still because God is God and we are not. And uh, so today we'll finalize that. I'm excited to dig into that. I, I would also encourage you right now, if you don't mind, uh, you can click on the uh, virtual communication card and submit your prayer requests and let us know you're here. And if there's any needs, uh, certainly do that using that virtual communication card. You can also give online, and I would encourage you just to continue to be faithful and continue to give that way. As we dig in, how many of you have ever watched some Disney movies? All right. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, you, can, you can think of all of them, right? Uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, I didn't write any of these down, so I'm having a hard time remembering what they all are. One of my favorites is The Lion King. And The Lion King tells a story about a young cub who from a very young age learns how to deal with loss and betrayal and yet experiences this everlasting friendship also. So you have Simba, he's the young cub, and his dad, uh, Mufasa. Mufasa rules over the entire kingdom, and Simba is in line to take over that rule someday and be responsible for the entire kingdom after his father is not there anymore. And so Scar, Mufasa's brother and Simba's uncle, is unhappy with where he stands in relation to Mufasa and the rest of the animal kingdom. And what he wants to do is he wants to he wants to have the throne. And so what happens is he causes, Scar causes Mufasa's death. He leads Simba to believe, though, that he was the one responsible for Mufasa's death and advises Simba to leave, telling him that the family will never be able to forgive him for what he's done. They'll never be able to forgive him for the tragedy that he caused. And so Scar notifies the kingdom that both Mufasa and, and Simba are dead and that he is the rightful person to claim the throne. And so later on in the movie, once Simba's all grown and he matures, he returns to his family to defend his father, defend his father's kingdom, and to reveal Scar's evil intentions and his, his, his lies. But before he returns, there's this really incredible moment that happens. Simba has to go on a journey to learn who he was again, to find himself, to, to redefine who he was. And if you remember, probably my favorite character in the movie, Rafiki, he's this, he's this monkey, right? And he brings Simba to the water hole, and he says, here, look at the water, and sees the reflection, his father. And then his father appears in an image in the clouds to tell Simba, remember who you are. Never forget who you are. And as a matter of fact, I love this quote. The quote is, you have forgotten who you are, so you have forgotten me. And so then Simba, after he realizes who he is, has this other conversation with Rafiki where Rafiki whacks him on the head with his stick and says, hey, it's in the past, forget the past. And, and Simba runs on back to where Scar and the rest of his family are and there's songs and there's singing that happens. And what I've realized is whether it's Lion King or, or any other Disney movie, and as a matter of fact, you could follow Shakespeare, you could watch Hamlet, you could uh, see Les Miserables, you could, even any other Disney movie that you want to watch, guess what happens? It's usually a character who at some point in their journey forgets who they are. And then once they have this encounter, this moment where they're reminded who they are, guess what happens? They start to sing. 
And it's usually a song about, about who they are and, and, and who they're going to be and who they used to be, but the, the, who they used to be isn't who they are anymore. And, and you can hear that. And this is what I've realized. Until we know who we are, we can't sing it. Until we know who we are, we can't sing it. We're stuck. Paul's writing often reminded Christians, often reminded Christians, Jesus followers, those of us who are striving to become more and more and more like Jesus, he wants to remind us who we are. And, and there's a song to sing. And until we can sing it, until we can sing it, the right song, we end up being stuck. Or we're singing the wrong song, which is a song of death. And when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he wrote it to these Christians, a letter that was intended to be spread around among a bunch of churches for them to listen to. He, he was in prison. We have to remember that. And the part of Ephesians that we're going to look at today is embedded into this much bigger story of what God has done in and through Jesus. 165 times in Paul's writings in the New Testament, that's two-thirds of the entire New Testament. He writes and reminds us as believers, as Christians, as people who have put our life and surrendered our life into Jesus' hands, he reminds us about who we are. And so Paul, he wants us to know that we may get bumped around in this life. We may be get bumped around. We may face challenges of all sorts of kinds, and we may get overwhelmed. We can get discouraged. We can be frustrated. We can find our lives in some of the deepest, darkest ruts that there are. And sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what to say. But Paul wants us to know we should always remember who we are. And so let's dive into Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what did I say? Paul, Paul is reminding the Christians who they are. And right here in his introductory comments, his, his comments about where, he, where the letter's from and, and who he is, what does he remind them? He reminds them that they are saints and that they are faithful followers, that they are, they are some versions say, holy people set apart for God, that they are faithful and, and so he says, let me remind you about who you are. You are the saints in Ephesus. You are, you are the believers in Ephesus. You, you are the, you're the holy people. You are the, the set-apart people. You are the faithful followers. Paul also calls them faithful, but he calls them faithful in who? In Christ Jesus. See, a lot of times we can be faithful in a lot of different things, but Paul's saying, no, you are being faithful in Christ. Paul writes this book while he is in prison. And this is important. He could have written about the unjust justice system. He could have written about his bad circumstances. He could have written about his frustrations. He could have written to defend himself. He could have written about the disappointments he has, but he doesn't. Paul writes what it means for all of us to be in Jesus. And whenever we might find ourselves today, because we're not like Paul, maybe we're not in prison, but maybe we find ourselves in discouragement and maybe we find ourselves in confusion or in pain or in sadness. Or maybe on the other spectrum, we find ourselves in love and in success and in whatever you want to say. And the most important thing to know is who you are, who I am in Christ. And if we don't know this, 
then nothing will provide an identity great enough to help us through the pain and the discouragement and the disappointment that we face in this life. When we don't know who we are, these things can knock us down pretty hard. And so let's start this way. What song did you sing this week? What song did you sing this week? What is your identity? And and I believe there's probably three songs that we fall into, and it really answers the question, who am I? And the first song is this, I am a sinner, and I am broken by my selfishness. Or maybe not that song, maybe you sang this song. You know what, I'm trying to be better, I'm trying to do good, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, which is this religious aspect, this religious song that we sing. And maybe you sang the third song, maybe you sang, I am a faithful follower, a saint, sometimes I fall and sometimes I fail, but I am a faithful follower and I am a saint. And my hunch is that most of us, because this is what we do, we sing the song about being a sinner. We sing the song about being broken by our selfishness. Because we think that this is what defines us, that this is what determines who we are. We think our mistakes define us. We think our sin defines us. We want people to see us in a different way. And so we get stuck in our past and we focus on our past and we keep looking back at our past and we see our failures. Therefore, I must be a failure. And we, uh, my brokenness, therefore, I must be broken. And I've made mistakes and I'm unwanted and I'm unloved and I'm a burden to other people. And we, we, let this be our song and it's a song of death and it makes us get stuck and maybe that wasn't your song maybe you sang the other song maybe you sang the song that I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to be good I'm trying harder I'm trying not to make so many mistakes and the reason that we're singing this song is because we're wanting people to see our goodness we're wanting them to know what we do we even shout to God God look what I've done for you look what I'm doing for you I'm good and I'm trying to earn it I'm trying to earn it and we think it's about who what we do not about who we are and this again is so destructive maybe even worse than the first one. But then we have that third song, faithful follower, saint, because I'm God's holy and chosen and blameless and pure person, people. And this is the hardest song to sing because it requires great faith from every one of us. Yet it's the only song that we sing that really sets us free. And I think what Paul's getting at is he wants us to be able to sing this song. Listen to what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to, of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Did you catch that? We're being transformed into glorious people. Some of us further along than others, but if you are in Christ, guess what? We are glorious. When was the last time we sang the song, I am glorious? Because of who God is in me and what God has accomplished in me through, through Jesus. You see, I, we can sing this third song. It's the best song to sing because it sets us free. This faithful follower song that I'm a saint kind of song. Does it mean I'm complete? Does it mean I'm finished? No. Paul's writings indicate that we're all on this journey. We're all becoming. We're all being transformed. In Philippians, if you remember our Philippian study, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at some point. And so this is what Paul's driving at. He's saying, listen, if you are in Christ, you are already these things. And so let's dig in a little further and look at verse 3. 
Verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, here it is, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so what is this spiritual blessing? What is it? When I love this passage of Scripture, because in the Greek, this is one elegant run-on sentence. If you're a grammar nerd, this will drive you crazy. Absolutely correct. Because Paul's going to make a list, and it's not even an elegant list, but it is a list about every spiritual blessing that there is for those of us who are in Jesus. And this is what spiritual blessing looks like. And so what is a spiritual blessing? A spiritual blessing is every joy and every benefit that our heart longs for and that our heart needs. There are these things that we were created for, that when we were knit together in our mother's womb, that God had prepared in advance, when he created us with purpose and passion, there is a longing in our heart and our soul that we need something. And these are the things that are true for those of us who are in Christ, who have that personal relationship with Jesus. These are the true things. Now listen, if you're not in Christ, some of this isn't going to make sense, but I hope you're compelled to want that, to long for it, because our souls long for this. Our hearts need this. And so let's look at this and read this together in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 4. Actually, let's read verse 3 again. It says this. Blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To unite all things in him on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Did you catch that long run-on sentence where Paul said, here's the spiritual blessings. When you are in Christ, these are the things that you get. But yet, too often, we're still singing the old song. We're singing the old song about being broken and unwanted and unloved and, and undesirable. We're singing, we're singing the old song about how our sin has, has caved us in and we're not worth anything and, and we have too much baggage and we are baggage. We sing this song and, and what happens is Paul saying, no, 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 that's not who you are. In Christ, you are something different. And so let's practice this together because our identity is what our heart longs for. It's what our heart needs. And so let's identify some of our old songs and maybe we can replace it with a new song. Let's look at just a couple of these. How about this? When was the last time we sang, he loves us and he chose us? You see, these are relationship words. They're powerful words. They're words that, that have deep meaning to us. And for some of us, it's really difficult to sing the song that I'm loved and that I'm chosen because we've spent so much time singing a different kind of song. 
We've saying, I'm unwanted, and I'm, I'm unlovable, and I'm undesirable. And we've had people who we counted on, who we put our hope in, we put our trust in, and they abandoned us. They left us. But God loves us, and God chose us. And so we need to turn that, I'm unwanted, and, and I had this thing happen way back in my past. We need to turn that around, and we need to realize that he loves us and that he chose us. How many of us have saying lately that I'm holy and I am blameless because that's who I am, that I'm without fault? And see, we push this off because we grow comfortable with the song that says, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm damaged goods, I have too much baggage. And we look back at our lives behind us and we sing this song of death, this song of defeat that says, I'm a sinner and I'll never change and I'll never get over this and I can't, I can't, I can't. And we sing these songs. Instead, we need to sing this song that I am beautiful and I have been knit together in my mother's womb with passion and purpose and I am holy and I am whole and complete and I am God's beautiful and perfect masterpiece. That's who I am. How about this one? I'm adopted. If Scripture's correct and Paul's writings are correct, then, then I have been adopted into the family of God. And I am the brother of Jesus. And, and I, I am an heir to the inheritance of the Father, the God, God, who the creator of the universe, that I am a part of his family. That's what this is saying, that, that I, am, I am his, I belong to him, and I have a heavenly Father who wants us to know that he is good and to experience his goodness and to enjoy that and realize that he is accessible and that we get that inheritance and that I am wanted and I am valuable and I am, I am worth dying for. Let's sing that song. That I'm adopted. I'm not unwanted. I'm desired. How about redemption and forgiveness? When was the last time we sang, I'm redeemed and I am forgiven, meaning, meaning someone has ransomed me from the captivity of slavery. And what is this captivity? What is this slavery? It's our sin. And that I've been forgiven as Jesus followers. We are freed from the slavery of sin and we are freed from the slavery of guilt that comes along with, with sin and we've been set free and we keep singing this song though that I'm a slave to sin and I can't get out of it. It's too hard and it's too big and, and sin is not my master. That's the song we need to sing, sing, that I'm free, that in God I've been forgiven and I'm no longer guilty and I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. Can you hear the new song that you want to sing? Even this week as I was, as I was preparing the message, I had one. And it has to do with this idea of everything that's going on. I had this moment where I thought, I'm not smart enough to lead this church. I don't have the right answers. Man, this is hard stuff. There's a lot of tension and a lot of opinions that, that surround churches right now. And, and I had this moment where I'm like, I am, not, I am not bright enough. I don't have enough degrees, letters, initials behind my name to get us through this. And, and then I'm reading this, and I read this part where it says, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I went, thank you, God. I'm 40 years old right now. Maybe, just maybe, I might be 40% right most of the time. Thank God that his counsel is far beyond that. Thank God that, that, that he is 100% wise. 
and that I don't have to be smart enough because I rely on him. In him, he is brilliant and bright and smart enough. And so the old song was, I can't do this. It's too hard. I'm not smart enough. Wow, I'm going to make some, but all of these things were the song I was singing, and I get there, and I'm like, no, 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 the song I get to sing is he, he leads, and he guides, he directs, he sets up the way. I follow him, and he will make me wise. What is your song? What song have you been singing that's the song of destruction and the song of death? And, and what new song can we sing that Paul gives us right here? What, what's the new song that can be the overflow of our own heart? And when we sing the song, I'm a sinner. And when we sing the song that I, get, uh, I can't get free and that I'm stuck and I, I have to try harder. And, and we sing the song, look what I've done. Everybody look and see what I've accomplished. This is the song of death. And we have to realize that Jesus really did pay for it all. And that when we sing, Jesus paid it all. Guess what? I'm free it's a song of freedom and it's a song of redemption and completion and new beginnings and that's the song that I need to sing. And I wish we could work through more of these. This, the, the point is this. There are some beautiful and incredible blessings in these 14 verses of Ephesians 1. Which one of these songs needs to be your new song this week? And I would challenge you either today or sometime this week, sit down, read these verses. And it'll, it'll jump out to you right off the page. But read them and say, what old song am I still singing that Paul says, when I am in Jesus, I get a new song to sing. I want to sing all of them, but, but, but I know for sure that each one of us, even I did this week, had an old song that we've been singing, and we could replace it with a new song. Who you are, who are you? In Jesus, who are we? How do we accomplish this? Well, it's, it's thinking this way. Because what happens is a lot of times, well, I'm not, I'm not ready for this, or I'm not there yet, or I haven't accomplished that. Listen, 15 years ago, I stood in the Family Life Center here at Mountain View Christian Church, and you know what I did? I stood on the stage, and I said, I do. I looked at Sarah, and I said, I do. And in that moment, when I said, I do, I became a husband. Before that, I wasn't a husband. And before that, I wasn't a husband. And before that, I wasn't a husband. But when I said I do, I became a husband at that moment. Was I prepared to be a husband? Absolutely not. And when I said I do, I was no longer a, a single guy trying to become a husband. I was a husband trying to let go of the single life. I was a husband. Thank God for Sarah, who's been faithfully teaching me and helping me learn how to be a husband. But I wasn't a husband. But I became a husband that day, becoming. It's who I was. It was a new definition. And in Christ, when we surrender our lives to him, these are our new terms. This is who we are from now on. Here's another example. 11 years ago in October, I was in the hospital delivery room at Adventist in Portland. And the nurse walked over and she handed me this thing. And it looked like a bundle of cloths wrapped around this thing, and I looked down, and what did I see? A brand new baby boy. And in that moment, I became a dad. I was unprepared to be a dad. It actually made me go, uh, da, 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 da. It was, it was nerve-wracking, 
But in that moment, I became a dad. Was I prepared to be a dad? Absolutely not. I wasn't. But in that moment, the nurse said, here, take the baby over to your wife. And I carried this baby, this, this thing, over to my wife. And I realized in that moment, I became a dad. Who I am, if we don't know who we are, according to who God says we are, then we get stuck and we start singing repetitively the old song, the old song. We sing the old song, the weary song, the song that leads to destruction and the song that leads to death. And so the question is, how do I get these blessings? How do we get these blessings, these spiritual blessings that Paul's talking about? Well, let me read this again from Ephesians chapter one. This is what it says. Listen to it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, heavenly places, even as, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in him. Do you see this? In him, in Christ, in him, in him, in him. How do we get in Christ? It's so, it's so simple. It has to do with we believe. But believe isn't just a passive word. There's action behind it. To believe means that I put the full weight of my entire life, all of it, every ounce of it, the complete, the whole me, I put the entire weight of my entire life into the hands of Jesus. And I trust him. And then I begin this journey with him to become like him as my model. And so no longer am I trying to be loved and no longer am I trying to be forgiven and no longer am I trying to be adopted or holy and blameless because I am loved and I am forgiven and I am adopted and I am holy and I am blameless. There are 32 imperative verbs in the New Testament that are related to this concept of belief. What does it mean to believe? How do I get these blessings? And this is what I want you to know. At Mountain View, we believe in relational ministry. And so not very often do we ask people to raise their hands or, or march forward for a, for a corporate baptism. What we want to do is we want you to engage personally in a relationship and help somebody journey with you. And so Pastor Craig and myself and our other pastors, our elders, our leaders, we are so eager to talk to you about what it means to believe in Jesus and what it looks like to journey with him. I'll never forget in September of 1993, September 5th, I was baptized. And I went, I went up into the baptistry at our church, and I was asked, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. And they said, upon your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I swear to you that day, my life changed. Everything changed. And the new song that I started singing was brand new and so fresh, I sang it so loud. But it was in those moments when I knew that the Holy Spirit was changing my life and the trajectory of my life changed forever and he was calling me to a new call and my life was going to look remarkably different than anybody else's. And so we can know for sure who we are in Christ. We can know for sure that the song we sing is the right song. It's the song that moves us and propels us forward, not the song that leads us to death and destruction. And so if you don't know for sure today, whether you are in Christ or not, Click on that communication card. Journey with us in the next steps. 
reach out to us and let us begin having a conversation so you can know for sure, you can know for sure what your next step in this journey, in this transformation process, you can know what it is. And maybe you're asking, well, who? Who can have these spiritual blessings? Who can have them? Everyone can have them. Anybody can have them. Anybody at all. There is no philosophy, there is no religion, there is no morality that teaches this. These teach that only good people and righteous people and moral people and people who are better than whatever else people, people who can pull it together and people who can get things done, people not like me is what these philosophies and these, these religions and these moralities teach about this. But what Jesus does is he makes it available to all of us, to anybody. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, available to anyone and available to everyone. And once we begin that journey of transformation, once we begin the journey of working out our salvation with fear and trembling, once we begin the journey realizing that, that he's at work and he will bring it to completion, we can sing this new song. And so here's the test. Right now, right where you're at, your living room, in your car, in your garage, in your backyard, wherever you are right now listening to this. What song have you been singing this week? What was the song that you sang? Did you sing, I'm not good enough? Did you sing, I'm not wanted? Did you sing, I'm broken or I'm damaged? Did you sing the song, I'm a burden to other people? Have you sang the song that I'm, I'm unworthy and, and I'm unacceptable and I'm an outsider and I've got to earn it? Did you sing the song this week, God, look at what I've done for you? Or did you sing the song this week to other people where you said, God, God, or maybe you said to your wife, hey, look what I did for you. You said your children's, look what I'm doing for you. What song did you sing this week? Before Jesus, what was the song? Before Jesus, before encountering Jesus, what, what song were you singing? And now because of Jesus, you can sing the new song. And the new song is, I am loved, and I am chosen, and I am wanted, and I am adopted, and I am forgiven, and I am accepted, and I am set free, and I am family, and I have a father who is good, and a father who loves me, and a father who, who cherishes me, a father who, who I am his greatest masterpiece. That's who I am. What song can you sing today? What song do you need to leave behind? What song is the song of destruction and the song of death and, and the song that defines so much of your life right now that right now you need to say, no more, no more. Who I am isn't defined by my circumstances and who I am isn't defined by my past and who I am isn't defined by our current circumstances. Who I am is defined by God when we are in Jesus. When we are in Jesus, he writes a new song for us to sing. And the song is, I'm chosen. I'm loved. I am adored. I am his masterpiece. I am holy and I am blameless. I am forgiven 
I am set free. These are the songs we should sing. Wherever you're at right now, maybe for you, you need to be still and just be silent. We're going to sing a song, and the song is called Who You Say I Am. And during the song, maybe you need to work on that. You need to identify the old song and replace it with the new song. Maybe you need to listen to the words as, as they're sung over us, and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your own soul to do some work drawing you toward him. There's others of us who, who we know who we are in Jesus. And we sing the song, then we should sing it loud, and we should sing it with boldness. This is why you can't shut Christians up. Because we have a new song. Oh, my song was death and destruction. And my song was I'm unwanted and unloved. And I realize who I am in Jesus because of all that Jesus has done. I can sing I am loved and I am adored. I am adopted. I am whole and complete. You can't stop that song. And so let's sing right now. And wherever you're at, let's be reminded of who we are in Jesus.